your skin refuses to be defined by age. That's why Agency creates personalized anti-aging formulas that smooth fine lines, lighten dark spots, and improve the appearance of dark circles. Each formula is tailored to you and prescribed by a licensed dermatology provider. Formulas are customized with clinically proven ingredients like tretinoin, which is up to 20 times stronger than retinol. Get your first month free at withagency.com. That's W-I-T-H-A-G-E-N-C-Y.com. $4.95 shipping and handling subject to consultation. Subscription required. Cancel anytime. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May of 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. There's no place to escape to. This is the last podcast. On the left. (laughs) That's when the cannibalism started. What was that? I'll tell you what, man. What? Our generation what? of rappers, mm-hmm. they used words. Yeah, they all and used words. And they got shot. <laughs> oh, okay. that's true. Our rappers were serious, and they had they, to write shit down, or they thought about it, but yes. they had to think of clever things to say. That mm-hmm. is why they're mumbling now to save their own ass. No, I don't like the mumble rappers. Why not? Because it's just, I could listen to that all day. I love mumble rap. There are hundreds of thousands of rappers oh. out there who still use words. They all they all use words. Even if it's mumbled, it's still a word. Anyway, this Kendrick is the last. Lamar. Can we just Kendrick yes, Lamar is very good. Very good. All right, this is the last podcast on the left. I am Ben Kissel, and I usually say with Marcus Parks, and then we're like, in Los Angeles, it's Henry Zabrowski. But today, we're all together on the West Coast. Marcus Parks and Henry Zabrowski. What's up? Hello. Hell yeah, man. We're here now. You're, you're in my territory. I love you it, dude. Bitches. Yeah. I have been walking so much. It's like crazy because it's like a 38 minute walk and like a 90 second Uber ride. Yeah. It's you, very confusing. You're like a giant drunk Michael Landon from that old oh. Angel show. <laughs> yeah. You just roll yeah. Highway to heaven. Lives. Yeah. I want to thank Jim, Jim, and Eric for having me at their house this past Sunday for Money in the Bank. Mm-hmm. And it was indeed uh, Money in the Bank. I don't know if there's actually money in that bank, but yeah. it, it's a briefcase. <laughs> Sam on and on it. Damn, oh. man, I do. By Biggie. I love that song. All right, we are on to part three of Biggie and Tupac. And uh, wow, I can't wait for all the information we're about to hear. Yep, this is the end. (laughs) Oh. Now, a lot of times, big bursts of gangland violence start off with something small. In the case of the Tupac murder, it started with a necklace. In early summer 1996, a blood named Trayvon Lane had been shopping at a footlocker in the Lakewood Mall in L.A. with a couple of fellow gang members. Now, this Hmm. does sound like the beginning of Romeo and Juliet. Right. How? Because that's how the beginning of Romeo and Juliet was. In a footlocker? No, it was two gang guys. Oh, I was like, I I don't recall a footlocker in Romeo and Juliet. Okay. All right, got it. And Trayvon was wearing a large diamond cut medallion featuring the Death Row Records logo, which was a piece of jewelry that Suge Knight only gave out to his nearest and dearest. Can we get that? What? For LPN? <laughs> what do you mean? Like, how? Do we have a diamond budget? I don't, not yet. No, not no. yet. Soon. Well, you want necklaces? Yeah. Yeah, cool. I'm down for it. <laughs> I want to claim. What does that mean? Travis. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. 
Unfortunately, that day the Foot Locker was also being visited by a group of eight Crips, led by a straight-up psychopath named Orlando Anderson, who had been arrested for murder earlier that year in addition to being a suspect in numerous drive-bys. How did he get out? How do you get arrested for murder earlier in the year? <laughs> like, how does that... Don't you, like, have to stay there for a while? I think you can be... Success I, I imagine he got out on bail. I actually okay. don't know the full story. I'm not sure about the full story okay. either. But yeah, plenty of times you can be arrested for a murder and then they don't they can't actually charge you with the murder. All also right. what happens a lot of times in specific communities like this is that you look like a guy that committed the murder and then they bring right. you in and they harass you for many hours and they release you. That does happen. In this case, Orlando Anderson was definitely the type of guy like he was suspected in many, many, many murders. Earlier in the year. <laughs> Now, Orlando also happened to be Keefe D's nephew, who, if you'll remember, is the source of all this information. And Orlando wanted that death row necklace. Hmm. Now, it's rumored that Puffy had put out a $10,000 bounty for whoever could bring him one, but it's likely Orlando just wanted it as a personal trophy. Puffy has got to stop using the Crips as his murder postmates. Yeah. There's like no reason. He just says random shit out in the air. It's a bunch of Crips that are just going to go do shit for him. Get me dog the bounty hunter. Get me dog the, the necklace hunter. Like, what? what is happening? This is all over a necklace? Yeah. All of this, all of it starts right here. That's crazy. Well, either way, the eight Crips stomped the three bloods and Orlando came away with the death row necklace. And with this, the whole death row bad boy feud had reached the ground level and it was only a matter of time before it bubbled its way back up to the surface. Wow. See, none of these guys had record deals or big stars or anything like that. At best, they were wannabes. Hmm. But now you had a Crip attacking a blood over a death row necklace in a street fight. Hmm. And on September 7th, 1996, Tupac voluntarily inserted himself right in the middle of this particular conflict with deadly results. Again, like Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> it is like Romeo and Juliet. Why? And one wears blue and one wears red. Is that true? Oh, and the Montagues see. and the Capulets? Mm, I maybe. think that may have been like a modern retelling. Do you bite your thumb at me, sir? <laughs> hey, I bite my thumb at the thrones. Hey. I want to get back to that biting your thumb thing. Oh, yeah? Yeah, that's kind of fun because babies are fucking pissing me off. <laughs> They're constantly biting their thumbs at me. Well, on that night, Orlando Anderson, Keefe D, Suge Knight, and Tupac all attended the Mike Tyson fight at the MGM Grand in Las Vegas. Ooh, who was now, he fighting? Uh, who was he fighting? It was one of his three comeback fights after he went to prison. Right, right, right. So yeah. maybe Evander, Hor uh, Evander was it? It no. was a no-name guy that okay. I can't remember his name at all, but he was the heavyweight champion, and this was for the heavyweight title. It okay. was Parfait Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> Now, even though that million-dollar bounty was definitely on Keefe's mind, Keefe did not go to Las Vegas to kill Tupac and Suge. Okay. He, along with his nephew Orlando, were just there to see the fight. Apparently, it was an annual Crip vacation that they would go on. They <laughs> all would go in buses, and that was true. Apparently, they would they never missed a fight in really? Vegas. So they all get together, and they'd get parental slips. I'm not sure how you got everybody on the bus or how do you count everybody Right. because there was definitely Keefe D with the clipboard being like, yep, yep. Leave your gun on the sidewalk. What I say to you, throwback. All right, get on in, get on in. All right. That was true. They did uh, actually leave all of their guns at home. So none of these guys were there armed. Really? It's like that Johnny Cash song. Mm -hmm. Don't take your guns to town or to the Mike Tyson fight. <laughs> you say Johnny Cash song, I say uh, Kenny Rogers song. <laughs> well, we'll talk about that after the show. Oh. And that's another moment in white male conversation. <laughs> 
So after Tyson whipped his opponent in less than two minutes in a bout that was almost certainly a fix, Tupac and Suge were making their way out to their car to attend the opening of Suge's new nightclub, Club 662. Which stood for, if you look at the uh, numerical numbers on a telephone, MOB. Yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Run DMC was supposed to perform, and Suge Knight was planning on talking to Run DMC to sign them as the first uh, artists on Death Row East. Oh, they're too nice for that. No. <laughs> Back in the day, they, really? their ribbity raps were scorching everybody. I guess so. I just, I just don't see Run DMC in the gangster rap world, but I guess so. Well, I mean, at that point, Suge Knight was actually, he was trying to expand. Sure. You know, it wasn't necessarily that, you know, not everybody on Death Row Records was necessarily a gangster rapper. Oh, okay. When you read okay. original Gangsters, the book, you see that there was many other flavors in the hip-hop community that are trying to join. Like, they had girl groups, they had a bunch of different, Death Row was trying to expand Diverse? and trying to add more okay. sound to it, because at the time, gangster rap was, was obviously a huge trend, but it right. was just one of the trends. Okay. Mm -hmm. It Did really wasn't until the murders that it became as massive as it did. Makes sense. All right. And at that fight, as Suge Knight and Tupac were leaving, that's when the violence began. I gotta say, it's never a good time when the when the Mike Tyson fight isn't the most violent moment of the night. <laughs> yes. Like, that should always be the most violent moment of any night, the Mike Tyson fight, but I yeah. guess not in this case. So Trayvon Lane, who was the one who'd gotten his chain stolen and was known as a bit of a shit stirrer, spotted Orlando Anderson in the casino. After seeing Orlando Anderson, mm. Trayvon went and told Tupac and Suge. Mm. Because that's the thing about uh, some of the guys that were interviewed about this Trayvon Lane guy. Uh, they said, like, yeah, he never did shit himself. All he did was talk shit and start fights and then run away when the fighting started. Okay. They had a bunch of these guys. That's kind of what mm -hmm. the outlaws was made out of. Like, the, the outlaw group that was Tupac's, like, crew, they all were always like, get him, Pac, get him, Pac. They were right. all, like, building him up because they were all acting like true, true fucking ride-or-die dolges. Right. And they got fucking, because they used to follow him around in a van mm -hmm. filled with drugs and guns. Because Tupac can never be caught with, van, with, right. with guns or drugs. So they have to follow him everywhere like a like I imagine a John Panette would do with a van <laughs> filled with Chinese food. That is an oh. old stand-up bed. Yes, he was large. So they're like, get him, Pac. And then Pac just pulls out a quill and starts to write. Because, I mean, he's just a scribe. <laughs> yes. Like, this is not the guy that should be the most aggressive person in the room. Well, some of the outlaws uh, were, like, really egging him on. But other Others were like, man, you need to be careful. Yeah. Like some of them were actually like looking at what was going around, saying like, man, you're playing with fire here. You need to calm down a little bit. No kidding. Now it's impossible to know just what Tupac's motivations for his next act actually were. It could be that Tupac was actually standing up for his friend with you know the friend that got his necklace stolen. Mm -hmm. Or it could be that he was just hyped up from the fight and got caught up in the moment. Dude, okay. he wrote the ring entrance song for Mike Tyson. He did? Yeah. So you're, you watch, you just listen to yourself play before Mike Tyson beat the shit out of a guy. He KO'd the guy in <laughs> under a minute. Like it was Under one two of, minutes. It was a crazy one. It was one of his comeback fights where okay. he was just unstoppable yeah, coming yeah. out of prison. And so you're all like being pumped up. It's like I'm on my way to the pierogi festival, right, in my big pierogi car, pierogi-shaped yeah. fucking limo that I'm going into, of like, outside because I'm declared the mayor of Poland for one day. Right. And they're playing Bob Seger's Ramblin' Man on there, and then God knows what I'm going to be capable of. just want to eat that pierogi car of yours. Well, either way, Tupac put no thought whatsoever into inserting himself in the middle of a petty street rivalry Ugh. over a necklace. Oh, man. He ran to the casino floor, found Orlando, asked, you from the south? And punched him, sending him straight to the floor. So Suge caught up with his entourage in tow, jumped in, and a whole contingent of death row and blood gang members 
kicked and punched Orlando as he was on the ground. Hmm. And when they felt he'd had enough, they ran, got into their car, and went to their hotel. There is very little goofy about Suge, except for the footage from that Vegas nightclub. And watching Suge walk run is very (laughs) silly. Because he looks like a bear with a brain tumor that is like on its like back feet. Just like he's got little arms, you know, just kind of swinging back and forth, and he's trying to hustle as much as possible. Yes, that's what I that's what I do every time I cross the street in L.A. I'm just like, man, and I think I actually move slower. Well, meanwhile, Orlando was licking his wounds with his uncle Keefe when Puffy's associate Zip showed up. Remember Zip from yes. the Zip Code? Always. And since Orlando was already keyed up and ready to strike back immediately, Zip, who was the one who introduced Puffy to Keefe, figured this was the perfect opportunity to cash in on that million-dollar bounty. Because hmm. remember, at this point, uh, what the investigators knew about Keefe D is that Keefe D, what they had... Because Orlando Anderson had been a suspect for a long time. Okay. But investigators had spoken to Keefe D, and Keefe D had said, like, no... After they got into the fight, uh, I hung out with Orlando, and Orlando wanted to go take revenge, but I calmed him down, and then we went home. All right. And then when Keefe D talked to um, Greg Kading, that's when he said, that's all bullshit. This is what actually happened. Oh, all right. And so, Zip opened up a secret compartment on the armrest of his car, pulled out a forty caliber Glock, and handed it to Keefe D. Because remember, nobody had guns. The whole yeah. thing is that everybody left their artillery at home. So this was a, this guy, I mean, obviously everyone's got one. It's always like every bit in every comedy movie when the lead dude walks through the metal detector and he has to pull the gun out of his sock and pull <laughs> right. the gun out of his foot back. Everyone's got one. Now, as I said, everyone knew Tupac and Sugar headed a Club 662 that night. And so Orlando, Keefe D, and a couple of other guys named Terrence Brown and DeAndre Smith hopped in a white Cadillac and went out searching. They found their targets as Tupac was hanging out of the sunroof of Suge's BMW without a care in the world. Now, Tupac had first been spotted by a car full of fans who started yelling Tupac's name, which is what caught the attention of the assassins. Now, these were beautiful women fans. Yes. This was yeah. not like me. Like, right. the side of the street, like, Mr. Tupac, enjoy your rhythm and rhymes. Thank you so much for making my knees jump. No, it was a hot chicks. Yeah. All right. So upon hearing the girls, the assassins made a U-turn and pulled up next to Tupac and Shug's B&W. Mm. Keefe sitting on the passenger side, handed the Glock to Orlando, who was in the seat behind him. And Orlando leaned across the other guy in the back seat and fired the gun 13 times into the side of the BMW. Jeez. Four bullets found their way to Tupac. Keefe's car then sped away, and one of Tupac's other guards gave chase. A short gun battle ensued, but Keefe and his crew got away. They then parked the car, cleaned up the shell casings, and walked back down to the scene to watch the aftermath. Yeah, really. They, they said they sat and they watched all the chaos for a little bit, and then they just went back to the hotel room and got drunk and smoke, smoke weed all night. Yeah. Really? And didn't really tell anybody what they had done. Well, I don't think you can. No. But honestly, those women were called them out. They said they were hanging. They lost them for a while like because they were trying to follow them over to 662, and they lost them. And because it's so casual for them at the beginning, because even the choice to kill them was casual, they were like, right. yeah, let's go get that million dollars right now. And then they lost them. So they're just hanging on a parking lot. And all they heard was, pop, pop, pop. But from all the women screaming on the street, and they're like, why don't we go get them now? Yeah. That's like, cr- it's yeah. all over a necklace, and it just happened that fast? It happened it that, is, within, oh. a, I think it was two weeks, maybe one week. 
How long do you think the decision process was before they were like, let's do it? Like, was it just like minutes? Uh, minutes, yeah. That's crazy. Uh, it was just like, let's go look for it. It was like, uh, what is it? The assassination of Franz Ferdinand, where mm. the assassin wasn't able to, like the assassin didn't get there in time or the gun jammed or something like that. And so they decided to scuttle the whole, uh, the whole assassination. And then one of the assassins was getting a sandwich and Franz Ferdinand's car had broken down in front of the sandwich shop. Yeah. He's like, all right, well, now we can do oh, it. Yeah, we geez. do it, which also shows because they're young too. Because yeah. part of it, they're young and impulsive. And the same right. thing we found out when you listen to uh, Dan Carlin's Hardcore History talking about uh, World War One. a lot of that is uh, the, the kind of idea of like you're, you view the Black Hand as this like group of terrorists that started World War One, but right. actually they're a bunch of kids. Yeah. Mm. Same in this situation. Yeah. So Shook had only been grazed by a bullet, so he was able to hit the gas. But since one of the wheels had been hit, he lost control and crashed into the concrete meridian, blowing the wheels out further. Mm. And when the cops showed up to the scene, though, they immediately assumed Shug and his crew were the perpetrators, so they threw them to the ground and handcuffed them as Tupac sat bleeding in the passenger side seat. And they oh, said, what? A very important, well, because obviously, I mean, again, it's one of those bullshit things. They showed up and they assumed everybody was a suspect. Like, they didn't view anybody as his crew. They thought those are the people that had shot him. Right. So everybody was forced to lie down on the ground, and they said the one, one of his friends, one mm. of the outlaws, said one of the that was so uh, kind of uh, it was unsettling, but also weirdly settling was how calm Tupac was as he was bleeding to death because mm. he had been shot before. Mm. So he's sitting oh, there, man. like literally just being like, "It's gonna be okay." It's good. Like he was calming down everybody else while he was oh. like lying in his own blood. Yeah, I remember uh, Shug Knight had said later that he was trying to get him to the hospital, and he's like, "You know, Shug, you're, or, uh, Tupac, you're gonna be, you're gonna be okay," and. Tupac said, "Shit, man, you're the one that got shot in the head. <laughs> like, let's, yeah, like, let's right. get you. We need to get you some attention. Well, yeah, because he had a bullet wound on the side of his face from the that's go, where he the got bullet shot? grazing him. Oh, he was really lucky. Yeah, Holy he was extreme. Hell. He was extremely lucky. And it also goes wow. further to disprove the theory that Shook Knight was the one who ordered the hit. Is Dad, that is, I, I tell he, you what, Ice T standing next to those mannequins, and that's special. <laughs> that is all I need to know about that. And when the ambulance arrived, Tupac was still conscious." But he soon slipped into a coma, and six days later, one of the most influential voices of the decade was dead, mm. largely due to a series of events that had started in a footlocker just a few weeks before. You mean Man. dead tired hanging out in a hotel in Cuba making his posthumous <laughs> albums. Uh, what is this now? I'll get into it later oh, on. Oh, this is the Tupac still alive theory. Yes, there's mm -hmm. quite a bit. I want that to be true, so I might entertain that one. There, there's, very good re there's a very good reason why there's so much posthumous material, but... We'll get into that later. Yeah. All right, all right. I'm excited. <laughs> now, Tupac dying, that wasn't the only consequence here. Since Orlando was a crip and Tupac was aligned with the Bloods, Tupac's murder caused a full-on gang war. The mm. Bloods called a war council and declared open season on Crips. Weirdly another symbolism to, a weirdly another connection to World War One. Because it's very similar with the idea of the Balkan powder keg and the idea mm -hmm. of all these things are purposely aligned to each other and all basically everybody's just waiting for somebody else to fuck up. And they're right. like, well, we've created this political system. So the fact that it would keep war from happening because if war does happen, it's total war. Yeah, and sure. so something like this is like waiting for the there. We're waiting for the moment for it to fucking pop. That's crazy. <sighs> A war council war. War never changes. Nah, man. War's hell. <laughs> what, what's, what's so civil about war anyway? Yeah. 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 Thank you. So in the days and weeks after Tupac's murder, more than a dozen people were shot, including a 10-year-old girl who was hit by a stray bullet. Mm. The girl lived, but three people ended up in the morgue. Mm. 
Now, this was most likely not on the directive of Suge Knight and definitely wasn't on the orders of Puffy, but that almost makes it worse because the rhetoric had become real. The fire had gotten out of control and regular people were hurt and killed for it. Mm. Now, supposedly, Puffy, oh, he was pleased as punch when he heard the news. Pleased as punch? <laughs> I don't know if that's a, that's a good term for it. Yeah. No, that's exactly what Puffy said. He said, I am pleased as punch. <laughs> I tell you what, I'm fit to skip. <laughs> No, apparently when, when they called him up and told him, when someone called him and told him, he's like, was that us? Was that, oh, that was us. Holy shit, that's great. Oh, but wow. here's why I think it's possible that Puffy was never really serious about this. He never paid the bounty. No. Or at least never paid Keefy D. Yeah. And that's why Keefy didn't feel too bad telling this story to Greg Kaying. It is a million felonies if yeah. he does. You can't <laughs> pay anyone to shoot someone. Well, obviously, he wanted to peer hard on the phone. Like, you know, right. someone called him, mm-hmm. told the news, I was like, hell yeah, you know, we did it. Good work, man. That was my, That's what my dolgers do. And then at the end of it, it's like, if you don't pay, it's like you didn't, you weren't a part of it. Because right. they kept looking for the money, and then Puffy would kind of be like, mm, oh, oh, about yeah. the money. Oh. You're never going to get the money. Yeah. Don't, like, do, do not shoot anyone for hire. Yeah, I mean, I could only imagine what Puffy's actual reaction was when he put up the phone. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. What's the opposite of pleased as punch? <laughs> Fuck the shit. <laughs> but Biggie, on the other hand, he was absolutely heartbroken oh. over Tupac's death. I mean, they said he cried when he heard. He wrote songs about it. Uh, in fact, like at Biggie's funeral, they played uh, the instru- instrumental version of a song that uh, that Biggie had actually written for Tupac. Mm. The only acceptable reason to interrupt a podcast? Your dog. (coughs) That was your dog saying thank you for BarkBox. You can take a minute now. You pet your dog. You're going to learn about Bark. It's the company dedicated to making dogs happy. Yay! Every month, BarkBox decides and delivers a whole new collection of toys and treats just for your best bud. (coughs) No, Wendy, I can't get you a whip. You're too cute for weapons. Every treat is made with yummy, healthy, all-natural ingredients like pumpkin and sweet potato. Mmm, tubers. My dogs love their toys selectively. But BarkBox sends good little ones for their little tiny mouths. They have little mouths, but strong, big spirits. So they fight over the little toys. I imagine they think that they are hunting and going after little bugs and rats and oh they love their life and they love that they love what bark box brings because bark box brings the bark and puts it in a box yep to get your free upgrade go to barkbox.com slash l-e-f-t this podcast is brought to you by squarespace finding work-life balance can be tough but squarespace gives you the tools to reach your goals and have time to celebrate Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. With the new guided design system, Squarespace Blueprint, you can select from curated layout and styling options to create a personalized website optimized for every device. Get your website discovered fast with integrated, optimized SEO tools. Plus, make checkout easy for customers with easy-to-use payment tools. And with Squarespace AI, you can explain what your site is about, choose your tone, enter what you need, and get auto-generated text and that helps you save time i know i'm sitting on about two literal wheelbarrows filled with horse picks now part of the issue has been is a lot of these pictures are getting stopped at customs because some of them do depict various world leaders in horse-like circumstances that seems to be 
pinging a lot of these custom agents accounts. Now, so what I've done to do is like, so while I'm trying to work on hand smuggling these horse picks over various country borders, I then also have time because Squarespace is doing all the other ad work for me to go and work on my killdozer at home. So thank you, Squarespace, for allowing me to diversify in the best way possible for this country. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial when you're ready to launch. Go to squarespace.com slash left to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Every day, I fight to set my child up for success, which is why as I sit and read Carmi and Wendy Dune, trying to explain to them the concepts of the savior complex not working, doubling back on itself, the concept of what does it mean to be a living God? What are those limitations? What are those expectations? And honestly, I know they just want chicken. But there are kids out there that need this type of direct help. And IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids covering math, language, arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed to help them understand and master topics in a fun way. Not unlike me, reading children, Dune Messiah, getting to about 365, seeing where they're at, see if they understand anything. There's no more grading these worksheets. IXL grades everything itself. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. You can't even believe it! You don't want to make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And last podcast in the left listeners could get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com slash left. Visit IXL.com slash left to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. It's very sad because they were really close. And, and Biggie, from interviews afterwards, he didn't really understand what the whole thing was about. Like yeah. he, he kind of went out of control. And the, the idea of him knowing what happened with the robbery, like the idea that he helped orchestrate the robbery or hide the robbery uh, against uh, Tupac when, the, the, when they went to go visit him at the, the record company where they were going to do the recording. Yeah, the Quad City Studios. Yeah, the Quad City Studio, Studios incident is that Number one, if Biggie knew it was going to happen, there was nothing that he could even do about it. Yeah, mm. that kind of that, that's a part of it. He told him not to fuck with Haitian Jack. Everybody said don't fuck with Haitian Jack because he's actually real. Tupac, you're not actually a gangster yet. Just like you can't do this shit. Like you have to be careful what you're playing with. Right. And but or he didn't know at all. And yeah. it was a completely just a coincidence. And so, it was, and they used that information against him. And so Biggie, mm. uh, like that was his mentor. Yeah. How far out of their friendship is this? Because they were close buddies, right? And then they had a split, like and, two years, mm. something yeah. like that. I, and I think like Biggie probably always assumed like he's going to come around. Right. Like all this shit's going to blow over. He's going to come around, and then we'll be friends again, and all mm. this shit's going to be fine. Because it's almost guaranteed that Biggie had nothing to do with Tupac's sure. death. Multiple friends of both said in the documentaries I watched that the whole thing could have stopped if they had just somehow met up in a club and had like 10 minutes alone yeah. where they could sit and talk to each other, but they wouldn't. Tupac, I honestly feel like he wouldn't let it. Like he was so, now the ball was rolling and he was he was feeling, he was feeling the power of having that like 
touch on violence and being able to like spread his like be, spread his power. And because when you come from a place of powerlessness, when you come from yeah. a, a, a childhood where you are displaced and you don't know who you are and you're trying to find yourself and and, and you're desperate for 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 money to get the fuck out of where you were and your and your mom's a fucking drug addict, and you don't know what to do. And so I imagine that it becomes very intoxicating yeah, to have sure. all that power. Uh, yeah, uh, I understand that. Sure. He's also got a ton of anger that he's dealing with. Like Tupac has a ton of anger because, right. you know, you got to remember he's 25 years old. I mean, I know all of us were probably very angry people at 25 and not dealing with the shit that we went through when we were kids and we didn't go through an ounce of what Tupac went through. Yeah. You know, so it's really, I mean, it's it's hard to judge like kind of behavior like this. Absolutely. Like, he absolutely, like, he got himself into a bad situation, but it's also kind of hard to judge. Like, it's hard to tell him you should have known better. Of course. Yeah, but it's still, it's just what happened. Young folks. Now, even though Biggie had nothing to do with Tupac's murder, in the eyes of Suge Knight, that didn't matter. Puffy had taken Suge's biggest artist, so now Suge was going to take his. Oh, gosh. But Suge had a problem since he participated in the very public and very well-documented beating of Orlando Anderson that happened in the middle of the MGM Grand Casino. No, no, there's no cameras in casinos. I promise you that. I Apparently, the judge found me guilty of bear walking. <laughs> yeah, because, yeah, it was uh, it was uh, captured by eight different angles. Yeah. Uh, Shook's parole got revoked. And because of that, he got sentenced to nine years in prison. No kidding. Dude, and I always imagine it like fucking juggernaut. Would they have him like in the chains in his arms and the chains around his necks with the big poles like attached to him while he's like being let in? And everyone's like, inmate 479479 and the big fucking velociraptor holding doors open up. So if Suge was in prison, how did he make the murder of Biggie Smalls happen? That's the question. Well, remember, Kading's job wasn't to solve Tupac's murder. His first job was to solve the murder of Biggie. And although no one was arrested in either case, Kading managed to put Biggie to bed as well. Okay. Now, Kading hadn't given what he knew about the Tupac murder over to the Las Vegas Police Department just yet because given over the information meant losing Keefe D as a source, and Kading knew the uh, Las Vegas Police Department's reputation for not giving a fuck about this case. Hmm. And also, Kading had a uh, a lot of experience in building these gigantic, multifaceted investigations because we, what we learned about him, like the book goes deep into the whole him investigating the supermarket guy, like a, basically a supermarket tycoon that was running coke out of the back of his supermarkets all throughout Los Angeles. And he learned how to how you properly filter and 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 sort out the information that it takes from a multi-legged investigation. And he knows that he can't he knows that he can't give up something precious as a source like he did. Well now that Kading knew that Puffy was at least partly responsible for Tupac, mm. it was a pretty safe bet to say that Suge was behind Biggie. All Kading mm. needed was for someone to talk. And he found that someone in Teresa Swan. A Swan was a longtime associate of Suge Knight, who was one of his many accomplices in the various white-collar schemes Suge was operating around the Los Angeles area. Okay. Because Suge Knight wasn't just making records. He also had, like, half a dozen to a dozen scams running at all times. He's like a super busy guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's a busy guy. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. Suge Knight was a full, like, he was a, a criminal mastermind. Okay. He had all these different people, like, running different, like, fraud, like, car insurance schemes and like loan schemes, all kinds of shit. Oh, all right. And Swan, besides just being a part of all this white collar crime, she and Suge 
actually had a daughter together. But in the years after Tupac's murder, despite the millions upon millions of Tupac and Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg records sold, yeah. Death Row crumbled to the ground, well, ev- eventually forcing Suge Knight to declare bankruptcy. Why couldn't Suge just make all of his money with Death Row? I don't understand why he had all of it. Like, it sounds like he was like stressing himself out. Because like, it's not spr- fun. It's a fun kiss Death all. Row Records isn't fun. No, not it's for him. Death Row Records. He had other dreams. He, but no, it's I'm like sorry. He's in the car a... insurance scam game yeah. or Death Row Records. I'm, yeah. I think I'll focus on the rap. But it's like that we do this show together, but yeah. you also have a secret desire to also go to Flavortown, right? Yes, yeah, so of course I go to Flavortown. And you want to eat rib stick and meals and yes. talk about it on a television show. It's out of bounds, yeah. Yes, and I do. I want to follow my dreams. I want to get back into dance. <laughs> I have the tiny feet of a dancer. When and were I you in dance? When were you in dance? When I, when I wasn't good at baseball. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. so he was spreading himself pretty thin here. Yeah, I mean, come on, Ben. Like, why would you make millions producing records and creating art when you can make $20,000 <sighs> on a car insurance scheme? That's I don't know. That's, <laughs> that's crazy money, man. It's oh. 20 Gs, bro. Yeah, we can be, like, super cool. Or, like, have we thought about doing a payday <laughs> payday spend or payday loan scam? Yeah, that's what they uh, were. They were doing shit like that. Man. Just because he wanted, he wanted to do it. Because it made him feel... So, I, like, a lot of these guys do this shit. It's because it makes him feel cool. All right. Guys, how about this? What? We got to the beach. We get a bunch of rocks. Listen to me. <laughs> no, I'm listening. How much are free rocks? Free, right? Free, free yeah. How much are just... <laughs> even just several packets of googly eyes? Free. No, wait. Maybe... Maybe... $20. No, you fucking asshole. <laughs> I don't no, know. No, no, this is where you're wrong again, again. We steal them. From the back of a fucking Michaels, right? Uh-huh. uh-huh. Glue them to the rocks. Right. Free, free. Uh-huh. Rocks dollar a piece right <laughs> sell them out and we call them uh, something like a, like a friend rock you know like my, this is my rock wife <laughs> you know what I mean you sell rock wives you want to sell rock wives yeah for a dollar honestly that that's, could probably sell that's pure profit I mean it's already been done because we're stealing everything yeah and then it's rocks okay well, when Shook declared bankruptcy, he neglected to include some death row master tapes in his assets. Did he and, neglect or did he do it on purpose? Yeah, purposely neglectful. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Teresa Swan was the one who had helped keep these death row master tapes hidden. Like they had a storage locker in Minnesota or something like that. Really? Yeah. Uh, and in addition to that, she was also under investigation for fraud in one of those goofy white collar crime cases that Suge Knight had put her on. Okay. Can you imagine being outside of that Greyhound bus station in Minnesota and just watching the stretch Hummer coming out with the fucking guy <laughs> in the electric chair spray, spray, fucking spray painted on the side of it, like rolled up to it and be like, someone's using the secret bank again. <laughs> Wonder what they're doing. Ah, <laughs> uh, hello, Mr. Sugar Bear. Going to see you again. Thank you for coming down here to Towers, Michigan. It's been lovely to have you around. It's a very, very nice bus station. Yeah. <laughs> And it was with these two investigations, the bankruptcy investigation and the fraud investigation, that Kading brought in the L.A. County Sheriff's Department on one side and the IRS on the other and used those two guys to apply pressure on Teresa Swan. That'll do it. Yeah. Good Lord. The choice he gave was simple. Help us or go to jail and lose your kids forever. So after the second meeting, Mm. Teresa fully admitted that she knew who killed Biggie Smalls because she was the one who had hired and paid the assassin on Suge's directive. Jeez. Well, this guy, this assassin, his name was Wardell Poochie Foose. Ooh. 
and he was an enforcer suspected of multiple murders on Suge Knight's payroll. Well, in fact, it was said that Poochie murdered an aspiring rapper named William Rat Ratcliffe just for annoying Suge Knight. Why do I think that sounds like a fat guy with a mustache? <laughs> like <laughs> William Rat Ratcliffe just sounds like, I've been working for the goddamn garbage company for 30 fucking years now, and I'll tell you one thing, I've stolen every goddamn thing I've ever wanted. <laughs> A rat believed he deserved to be on Death Row Records and had started following Suge around town, hmm. even once cornering Suge in a bathroom to make a very aggressive pitch. Listen, Suge, I know you're pissing, man. I know you're pissing, but listen, listen, okay? It's songs about how I got soft bones. I can fit through tiny little spaces under a door. I'm a rat. I'm a rat rapper. Okay? No, listen, Suge, Suge, I know you're trying to shit, all right? Why you shitting that urinal, Suge? I mean, you could do whatever the fuck you want. Oh, you can do whatever you want, but this is about cheese. Oh. <laughs> Oh, it's about cheese. I, I would listen to Rat Ratcliffe rap about cheese every day of my life. Well, Suge Knight did not. He oh, was upset. <laughs> oh, he was upset with being confronted while going to the bathroom. Oh, interesting. And finally, he just Suge just got tired of it and called up Poochie and said, "Take care of Rat." No kidding. And the next day, Rat was gunned down and killed in the middle of Central Avenue in Compton. That's how much power Suge had? Yes, absolutely. I mean, money, wow. you can do a lot of things with money. At least, I, I, it would have been fun if he was just found glued <laughs> to a big strip of paper on the 405. <laughs> and you know what? Since we're in L.A., I get that joke. That's See? a funny joke. R.I.P. Rat, we love you. You could have done great things. Now, it was said that Poochie would show up have a quiet conversation with Shug, get his marching orders, and leave. Mm. And pretty soon after that, someone would show up dead. Jeez. So if there was anyone Shug was going to turn to for this job, it was Poochie. Mm. And by the way, all of this was corroborated and checked by Greg Kading. We just don't have time to go into like the methods because his theories, uh, unlike you know Pool, his theories aren't complicated, but his methods are very complicated. What's the name of the book again? Murder Rap. Murder Rap. Read okay. Murder Rap because it is a very good summation of how a cop goes through layer by layer mm -hmm. of a, an investigation like this. Hmm. Yeah, it's fascinating stuff, but you know, we just don't have time. We're not a police procedural show. So if you're like super into police procedural stuff, like it's fascinating. All right. So six months after Tupac's murder, Biggie Smalls and Puff Daddy were in Los Angeles on business. Most of the time was spent recording and filming the video for the recently released mega hit, Hypnotize. Oh, yeah. But the most fateful event that week was the Soul Train Awards. That was very stressful for Biggie. Yeah. Because when he came into town, because partially, like, they knew they wanted to shoot in L.A. Because there was a period of time where they were like, we're going to try and fix the bad blood that's happening here. Right. So a part of it's going to be, we're going to shoot a video in LA and pay all the requisite gangs and all mm -hmm. the shit that, that we have to pay in order to get like, like what you do with the Teamsters where you, right. have, you basically pay them to not shut your streets down. Yes. And so you go and you do all the shit, but he was really nervous and hanging around in his hotel all the time and not wanting to go out. Mm. Also, he was broke as fuck. Really? Because he had spent all his money. That's the one thing about having these sizes of entourages and shit mm. is that all these motherfuckers are getting paid. 
Yeah. Right. So they all have to, and all of this shit costs money. The cars and the hotels and the, and the production. And, mm-hmm. yeah. and he was also house poor as well. He had bought this huge house for his mom out in Teaneck. And he was also under investigation by the FBI uh, for other all kinds of other bullshit. So he was stressed. He yeah. was, I think it's safe to say that. He was very stressed. And wow. there had actually been, you know, a couple of, uh, there had been a couple of attempts by the rap community in between the Tupac murder and the Biggie murder to kind of put it all to bed. But I mean, but it also was, it was shit like, you know, Puffy and Snoop Dogg were on an episode of the Steve Harvey show together. Mm-hmm. And that was about it. They tried. They t- <laughs> hey man, if Steve Harvey they, can't they bring tried. them together, how was I? Who can? They tried. I mean, it was fun. Yeah, you know, it was a fun. I watched it. It was a fun episode. He just made them give goofy answers, and then he'd give that Steve Harvey look down the pipe of the camera. The <laughs> <laughs> all I know is, as soon as I get money, I'm going to buy Steve Harvey suits because uh, he looks good. You can actually get them. Yeah. Just, yeah, I can show you where to buy them. <laughs> oh, all right. <laughs> well, Suge Knight knew that Biggie was going to be in L.A. that week because Biggie had been slated to present an award to Tony Braxton on that night, okay. March 8th, at the Soul Train Awards. All right. And Suge knew that Biggie wouldn't be able to pass up the scheduled Vibe magazine after party at the Peterson Auto Museum. Thing was, Biggie almost didn't make it out to the night at all. See, he was actually supposed to be in London because Puffy had booked him for a promotional tour in England in anticipation of his upcoming album, Life After Death. Because oh, that's man. the thing, Life After Death came out, what, a week after he was killed? Yes. It's, oh, man, it sucked that it worked, because then it went, I think it went diamond. I it went diamond. I think huge. both that and Ready to Die went diamond, but definitely Life After Death went went diamond. Yeah. Because by the time he was there, mm-hmm. Hypnotize, like that's what, all another thing, like Hypnotize came out, which, you know, Hypnotize was one of the biggest hits of the 90s we all oh know my it God, by fucking, of course. we all know it by heart but i think that came out like a week before he was killed was I it called been, life after death yeah uh, before that was like the working because, title okay. well, because it was an, an homage to tupac oh i see okay yeah. i've been banging fucking uh, uh life after death since we started doing these episodes i fucking love that it's album. great yeah but biggie had canceled the london trip in part because biggie said the food in england was horrible <laughs> honestly man biggie I, is not wrong I, no, no i actually i don't no, what is that? Is that too critical? London is was good. It yeah. was Glasgow, where the food is difficult. But Glasgow is a very fun fucking place. It's yes. really yeah. crazy. Which I also didn't know that Anthony Bourdain originally watched the episode of a uh, Parts Unknown on Glasgow. That was his favorite city. Get out yeah. of here. Yeah, and it's a great place. But really? Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, it's I, a cool place, but the food was... Uh, <laughs> it was just... Di- it was different. Uh, it's just at that place that has the McDonald's arches, but all it sells is a uh, pureed sausage in a pastry. You're actually you know. saying the good parts of Glasgow. <laughs> no, Glasgow was wonderful. It was great to meet everyone. Well, even though Biggie went to the Soul Train Awards, he was planning on skipping the vibe after party. Okay. In the end, though... The promise of networking brought him out. Well, he wanted to be an actor. Yeah, he right. wanted to follow in Tupac's steps because, I mean, this whole time, like, Tup- Biggie is following Tupac's steps. Tupac is a mentor, and he also yeah. really looked up to Tupac as yeah. a guy who had made it. Man. Now, the party, the Vibe After Party, was held at the Peterson Auto Museum on Wilshire and Fairfax in Los Angeles and was, by most accounts, pretty good time. It sounds like a really fun time. Get hammered and pretend to drive like nice cars and stuff. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, I'm beep, 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 beep. Oh, Mr. Cool. Zabrowski, will you please? <laughs> this is my party! <laughs> I'm Mayor of Poland today! This is my pierogi parade! <laughs> um, but the, uh, what's fun about that party is I like the breakdown uh, in uh, the... Original um, Gangsters. In Original yeah. Gangsters, 
when it talks with the woman that runs the museum. It's like, okay, we have it all planned out for 1,000 people. We've got a little outdoor area in case some people want to smoke. <laughs> and then 2,000 people showed oh up yeah. like, immediately. And so it was jam-packed. Wow. Yeah. And there were and also not just jam packed inside, but also jam packed outside. Okay. Like there were a couple thousand people outside trying to get in. Jeez, so was, it was chaotic. No one got hurt or anything like okay. that, but but it was absolutely chaotic. Total mayhem. Because eventually, like after the overcrowding got too bad, they ca- the fire marshal came in, so like, all right, everybody's got to get out of here. Like, this, yeah. uh, this is too much. And you know it's serious, because I have my fireman's hat on, and I will not be roasted. I will not be roasted by the likes of you. Pull up your pants, sir. I'm sorry I said it. All right, everyone. Now, the details of the Biggie Smalls murder, from the perspective of the assassins, are pretty much unknown, because Greg Kading was never able to talk to Poochie the way he was able to talk to Keefe D. Okay. All we know is the setup. During a visit to the prison where he was being held, Suge had ordered Teresa Swan to hire Poochie for the murder of Biggie Smalls on that night specifically. So he did all this stuff behind bars? All behind bars. So when Biggie and Puffy left the vibe party to head back to their hotel, Poochie was waiting. Now, even though both murders happened right after huge events with tons of people around, right. the biggie scene was a little more chaotic. And as we know, with chaos comes conspiracy. There are so many different storylines, because that's a part of with Biggie and Tupac was a part of really wrapping your brain around, which we were kind of rolling out with this the structure of these episodes is that there were so many little circumstances. Yeah that played out on this night, that made many wild theories happen, that Greg Kading had to go and chase down one by one and figure out if it was real or not. Hmm. And, you know, there's that, I think it was a Chris Rock joke or something like that where they say, like, oh, you know, they got shot, there were so many people and nobody saw anything. Mm-hmm. See, that's the thing, is that that's actually a hindrance. The problem is that everybody saw something. And eyewitness reports is, you know, according to police officers, eyewitness reports are worse than useless. Like, right. they can maybe put you on the track, but it, you also have 2,000 different accounts that all contradict with each other. Hey, man, hey, sure. man, I know who shot Biggie. I know who shot Biggie, who man. Did it? He's 12 feet. Tall man, hey, he's made out of licorice. <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, it's a yeah. licorice monster. Yeah, 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 man, scary as shit. Never saw something like that in my life. Wrote a scary book about it called The Licorice Man. <laughs> yeah, you should buy that. it. Yeah, yeah. So publish Amazon.com. Just yeah. look up my my name, Henry Zabrowski. It's me. I will totally <laughs> buy that book. Now, a lot of the Biggie conspiracy theories tend to center around two incidents that night, mm. and both serve as prime examples as to how easy it is to force conspiracy into a situation when you have a conclusion you want to jump to. Okay. Boy, Texas Pete is a sauce and allows you to sauce like you mean it. It's what people gather around, it's generosity in its simplest form, and it's a swagger people have who know what's good. Each Texas Pete hot sauce is packed with bold, balanced flavor. This signature tanginess is what makes it a legendary hot sauce that can be used on just about anything. It's been at the center of dinner table since 1929 and is still heating things up today. You're definitely going to want to try Every flavor. The original hot sauce has a famous secret blend of fermented peppers. The hotter hot sauce is three times hotter than the original, and not for the faint of heart. Sabor! 
by Texas Pete adds authentic Mexican flavor, and their dust-dry seasoning matches the flavor of the original hot sauce and a flavorful dry rub. Tell you what, the other day I was having myself a good old refried bean burrito, and I wanted a little bit of kick to my morning, so I got myself some cha Texas Pete sriracha sauce, and I smothered those refried beans and that cheese and them eggs and a whole bunch of cha. And it started off my day correct. Texas Pete, sauce like you mean it. Visit TexasPete.com and use the store locator to find Texas Pete products as well as purchase sauces and get recipe inspiration. And use the promo code PODCAST24 for 20% off at TexasPete.com. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It says here I have to talk about something I need to get off my chest, and I guess I can share it here. I, I eat mayonnaise for fun. It's a hobby of mine, and it's an addiction. And it's a daily weight on my life. How much I need whipped egg whites and oil crammed into my veins. As soon as I wake up, and a lot of people carry around a lot of different stressors, big and small. Some people are presidents. Some people are soldiers. Some people have to eat mayonnaise, especially with hard-boiled eggs, which is what I eat for lunch. But I guess I should share that in therapy. Because therapy is a safe place to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And what I do is I just add eggs if I have mayonnaise left over. I just continue to add the eggs. But if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. I hope they can help me. My God. I hope they can help me. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LastPod today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash LastPod. Hey! Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. That's one of my favorite things about it. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online, and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. Now, personally, I'm in the middle of re-landscaping my yard. I like to do it myself because I called up a landscaper to see how much it costs, and it was absolutely insane. Plus, I love dirt. I love getting my hands in the dirt, and I love planting things myself. And fast-growing trees has given me some wonderful plants that I can use. Like I got this uh, Texas sage, it's purple. I've dug up a whole bunch of horrible bushes and shrubs up in front of my window and in front of my house and put some purple Texas sage up there and it's going to thrive and it's going to look real good. And I don't even have to go to a nursery to buy it. It came to my house. Now, this spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code LEFT at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using the code LEFT at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code LEFT. Offers valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. 
See, for years, one of the big claims about the Biggie Smalls murder was that there was no way that it could have been perpetrated by a bunch of simple street toughs. Mm -hmm. The story went that the whole thing was too well planned and too well executed for anyone other than professionals to pull off. So fucking mm. condescending. So condescending. <laughs> Where it's like, you you know, you have to be a trained police officer uh, in order to really put forth like the type of execution that you see in this sort of case. Like, regular people could never do this. Well, why was it so good? Why, what, what happened? They are trained assassins. They are assassins oh, by it's their job to kill people. By tra okay. Yeah. And that's what they said, is that, you know, having professionals, that meant a coordinated effort, and that comes complete with distractions, decoys, and subterfuge. And the first of these was the behavior of a 1995 Toyota Land Cruiser. Mm. As Biggie and his caravan were pulling away from the Peterson Museum, a Toyota Land Cruiser made a U-turn and tried to cram its way into the caravan, which would have cut Biggie's security personnel off Biggie's tail, making him vulnerable. Wow. But that cruiser was not filled with elite agents. In fact, the passengers were just a couple of hangers-on named Scott Shepard and Ernest Anderson. Yeah, it literally was the two things that happened... Every single time you're in L.A. Which is, <laughs> oh, I see. Which is a guy that wants to make a movie of your life that is a terrible idea. Right. And another guy that just wants you to come and perform at his birthday party for free. <laughs> what a gig. Yeah, so there was one guy that wow. said that he had a big plan to turn Biggie's birthday into a big celebration. We're all going to make a lot of money doing this. And the other guy was a screenwriter that just like, hey, man. We sit down together. We're gonna. I'm gonna write a screenplay. It's gonna be the biggest thing in your life. You're gonna love this. Listen, Biggie. Listen, Biggie. I, lo I love what you got. Love your story. Lo love everything. But <laughs> love your struggle. Love your music. But here's my thing. What if you were a dinosaur? Listen, <laughs> listen, hear me out. I, there's a big dinosaur market going on. We could attach it to the new Jurassic Park release. It came out in 1994. That's uh, Biggie as a dinosaur. Man, I wish he was still alive. <laughs> we could see that. Now, these guys have been following Biggie since the Soul Train Awards, and they were only trying to shoehorn themselves into Biggie's caravan so they wouldn't lose him on the way to the next party. Because the next party uh, that Biggie and uh, and Puffy were supposed to go to, it was like an after-after party at a record producer's house. So these guys were just trying to make sure they got in there because they weren't taking no for an answer that night. And that's what you had to do in the 90s. Otherwise, you had to go home, wait for someone to call your landline, mm -hmm. be, be told <laughs> where to go. Maybe you had a beeper, Yeah. in which case you still needed a landline. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Also, uh, they were not going to go to that party. Yeah. They had actually, Biggie had already decided he was too tired because at this point he was 360 pounds. Oh, man. And uh, he, uh, He's in his he had a Farley, peak yeah. Farley phase yeah. here. Yeah, he was 360 pounds. Uh, he had just gotten into a bad car accident so he was walking with the cane all the time. Oh, like, yeah, Biggie was not doing well oh, at this man. point at all. And these guys, like, they were pretty much like they were trying to shoehorn their way into the caravan and then when the shots came they got scared and drove off as fast as they could looking suspicious as hell and they since they drove off and since no one knew who they were it created a mystery sure that only got solved when these two fessed up and admitted to the embarrassing details which oh is why God. i've decided to write a movie called the runaway men listen to me listen to me listen to me I'm listen love to guys you. because what do they say i run away and i live to play another day, day. Uh, this is the other day <laughs> all right so the other distraction that night put forth by conspiracy theorists was a black Bronco seen on Orange Grove earlier that night. Hmm. Witnesses said they saw someone fire a single shot into the air from the Bronco right before Biggie's murder, which would have been a possible decoy. Okay. 
But the explanation for that one is even dumber than the last. Uh Uh-oh. Turns out, the driver of the car was just one of the thousands of gate crashers who were trying to force their way into the vibe party. This guy parked, opened the door to his Bronco, when he did that, his pistol fell out onto the ground. (sighs) But that's not how the shot happened. It's even dumber than that. Oh, no. Instead of just putting it back into his car and thinking, well, I'll check that out later... The dude picked up the gun and just fired into the air to make sure it still worked. What, what does this thing do? <laughs> God, just, uh, this is why we need gun training if we're going to have guns. Honestly, I'm such a proponent of that. Although I do love a good celebration that does have a lot of, involves shooting to the sky. Well, like, no, 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 the cel- no, 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 I know that. No, so you're saying the celebration is the gun still works. No, I don't, no, I'm just saying, like when we saw Saddam Hussein shooting the gun up in the air when he was happy, uh-huh. didn't you feel happy? People get hurt because the bullets got to come down. No, I well, we need a net. We need to make it for the bullet. I don't. You I haven't you. thought it through, okay? Well, we know about this whole situation because that same dude, still armed, still carrying the pistol, drove up to the cops after Biggie's murder and asked, hey, who got shot? What's oh. going on here, guys? <laughs> well, you know, my gun still works. Click, 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 click. I should have loaded it. Uh, big gulps, huh? Yeah. <laughs> So the cops, like, they searched him, they searched his car, they found the gun, uh, and he admitted to it on the spot, because they looked at the gun, they saw that a bullet was missing, they're like, was that you? And he was like, yeah. Why would this guy approach the cops after illegally shooting a gun? Because he's dumb enough to shoot his gun and the gun in the sky to see if it still works. All right. And this right here, this was a matter of record from the beginning. Okay. Uh, Because for years, this was, uh, until Greg Kading, like, uncovered it. For years, this was a um, mystery. Like, it was one of those big parts of, like, conspiracy theory. Okay. But Greg Kading just looked into the reports for that night and found it and found this report and was like, oh, shit. That's the gunshot. That's it. That's all it was. Wow. The conspiracy theory wormhole for Biggie and Tupac is massive. Yeah. Like, the more mm. you go onto YouTube, and I tell you what, man, it is a, they are serious. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they're very well, what's, what? Well, we'll get into the conspiracy maybe a little bit later. Yeah, I think, yeah, Henry's got some uh, that he wants to... I have a couple good factoids. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the sad reality of all this is that it wasn't some huge conspiracy orchestrated by the LAPD or the FBI mm. or any other governmental agency. In the end, it was a guy named Poochie. And here's how it all went down. All right. So following the breakup of the Vibe Party... Biggie and Puffy decided they were going to go skip the after party and head back to the hotel to get a good night's sleep for some recording the next morning. Okay. Puffy was in the lead car with Biggie behind him in a Suburban and a couple more cars behind Biggie. The caravan came to a stop at an intersection, and as they waited for the light to turn, a green Impala pulled up next to Biggie's Suburban. And according to a witness, the driver extended the gun out of his window using his right hand and fired six shots. Mm. Four hit Biggie, and minutes later, he was dead. And according to both Teresa Swan and other sources, again, read Murder Rap for all that, that driver was Poochie. Mm. So, why were there no arrests when it came to Poochie Foos in the Biggie case or Orlando Anderson in the Tupac case? Good question you've asked yourself, Marcus. Why are there no arrests when it came to Poochie Foos in the Biggie case or Orlando Anderson in the Tupac case? I did Kissel's bit. There's a very good reason for that. Both of them, Poochie and Orlando, were killed 
years before Greg Kading's task force was even formed. Yeah, dude. Oh, everybody I see. was dead. Most and of the key witnesses and all the most of the, most of the key players in this whole thing died before the case got reopened. Yeah, yeah. Pucci, he got it ten times in the back in Compton in two thousand and three. Jeez. In Orlando, he was gunned down over a drug debt less than two years after the murder of tu- uh, Tupac. Was the death of Pucci tied to like the Biggie? Nope. Or you're totally different. No. None okay. of that. None of these deaths were tied to anything having to do. Like it was just regular. Gang, like I mean, these guys don't live long. I know we're going to cover Iceman in the near future, that assassin. How many people do you think Pucci actually killed? No idea. No, no, I mean, no, no clue. But uh, enough where people knew. Enough where, like, Pucci didn't hang out. He wasn't, like, a good-time hangout guy. But enough where uh, he came around and should gave him orders where people knew, like, oh, that's Pucci. Pucci kills dudes. Okay. Yeah, and also, they are... You know what's interesting about drive-bys, too? A lot of times, it's kind of like in war. Again, where it's like when you shoot at people, a lot of the times it seems like you don't really know if you've killed them or not. Yeah. Right. You don't really find out till afterwards. Yes. When you go in, a lot of times drive-bys are, are, are warnings and meant to scare you and they're going to get whoever they can get. And so you'll shoot into a car and not know how many people you're murdering in the process. So I imagine he didn't know how many that he murdered. You could probably tell you by his invoices that he gave to his accountant. <laughs> yes. And they go through his paperwork for his t- taxes and look at right. his W-9s and you can figure out how many he, he was ordered to do. Mm-hmm. But it makes sense, though, right? Because folks are like, it was a trained assass- uh, assassin, but it really was a trained assassin. I mean, Pucci was a pro. Yeah, Pucci was an absolute pro. Wow. Yeah, and he was uh, yeah, he was shot 10 times in the back. He was on his motorcycle at a stoplight, and someone just walked up, popped him, and then walked up and popped 10 more. Like, Pucci, like, a guy that kills that many people is going to make a few enemies. I think so. Yeah, and Orlando was just being reckless. You know, he was, uh, there were a couple of guys that owed him some money. Uh, he went up, he, you know, started talking shit. He pulled his gun. They pulled theirs and they fucking wasted him. There is some word that Orlando was well believed in his own mythos after killing yeah. Tupac and became to believe that he was invincible. Yeah, it was, and it was also one of those things where, like, it was like, oh, so, yeah, Orlando Anderson uh, killed Tupac. It's like, well, who told you that? Like, oh, everybody knows. Yeah. Because mm. he was going, actually, after he got back from Las Vegas, he was going like, yeah, I killed Tupac. That was that was me. And I was like, I and the guys that were with him was like, yeah, it was him. Interesting. So basically, he's like every bad criminal who just gets hammered at the bar and at some point yeah. around midnight admits to killing Tupac in a braggadocious way. It's mm-hmm. like I will admit it here on the show. I actually <laughs> think it's time. Good, good. Uh, okay. um, I am Dear David. <laughs> I am the ghost that haunted that Twitter user in order to for him to write the hit Twitter series that's now turning into a film, Dear David. <laughs> I don't even. I have no fucking. I don't clue know the reference. Interesting about. to look into, and it is me that who did it. Yeah, I am. The there ghost. is a new movie called Who Was Phone, which I'm pretty sure we created <laughs> with our own thoughts. But no, we didn't create that. That's a 4chan thing, my friend. Yes. All right. Well. That's the thing. That Pucci, Pucci was killed in 2003. Orlando was killed in 98. So there's no one to arrest here. Right. As far as the actual murders go. But Kading still had the guys who ordered the hits. He still had Puff, Puffy and he still had Shug. Right. And on the Tupac side, Kading planned to flip Zip just like he'd flip Keefe and eventually he'd get Puffy. Okay. Like Kading's just like, go up one more level, one more level, one more level, and eventually we're going to get him. Okay. And on the Biggie side, he was planning to wiretap phone conversations between Teresa and Suge, hoping for a confession or at least further evidence. Hmm. Because he was by no means, he's like, I am not going to put that woman 
in a room with Suge Knight wearing a wire. Okay. Like, we're not, we're absolutely not going to do that because, first of all, she's going to be scared shitless. And second of all, if he finds out that she's involved in this, she's fucking dead. But Suge is still in prison at this point, right? Suge's still in prison, but Suge still has a big reach. But everything is being recorded, like all the phone conversations, right? Yes, but there's code. Yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you deliver the laundry to the president's house? (laughs) (laughs) But just as the triggers were about to be pulled on both operations, it all fell apart. Mm. In 2009, Kading was abruptly and without warning removed from the Biggie Smalls task force due to an internal affairs investigation having to do with a completely different case involving a grocery store chain owner named George Torres. All the way, also known as El Diablo. Yeah. Really? And the George Torres, like, it's another one, like, this is another side story that you gotta read Murder App to find out, because the George Torres case is, it's absolutely fascinating. Uh, It's like a racketeering murder assault extortion like there's so much going uh, going on in this case yeah. and groceries yeah. <laughs> I know that's what I do love I'll have a half pound of your potato salad meanwhile please. there's a shoplifter in the back fucking chained to a chair that's getting whipped with a, with a fucking gun do yeah. you have any uh, do you have those red potatoes I, I really like the red the, ones oh russets yes a yeah. russet please half pound please <laughs> well Kading was one of the investigators on this okay uh, and in that case Kading said that he actually he admits to wrongdoing. He'd gotten careless in drafting a document, and in doing so, he gave Torres's lawyers the opening they needed to overturn a huge conviction on a legal technicality. I see. Like, they overturned a guilty plea. So he messed up big time. Yeah, he fucked up. Yeah, okay. he, he really fucked up. But it, it's, yeah, he fucked up, but it wasn't malicious or and, anything like that. And meantime, the press had dragged Kading's name through the mud. It also shows, if you, it, what's important, when you watch The Staircase... If you have millions upon millions of dollars, what you can do is have your defense attorneys go through every single layer of paperwork that exists looking for Mm. tiny errors that you can manipulate. And so when you watch a staircase, that guy's spending a million plus on his defense for for uh, the the trial on his murder. When you watch it, you're like, holy shit. That's what money buys you is guys Mm. going and tracking down every single fucking lead in order to poke holes in the prosecutor's case. And Kading, like, he had, uh, yeah, he'd gotten his name dragged through the mud by the press who Mm. had portrayed him as uh, an out-of-control LAPD officer and those of course exist of course there's dirty cops in the LAPD no No, Marcus don't you ever say that here of course of course they exist of course they do but Kading wasn't one of them Mm. like he was he just made a mistake he just made a mistake Uh. yeah uh and by that point Kading had already long since disproved Paul's conspiracy theory implicating the LAPD. Because remember, that's the only reason why this case was reopened in the first place was because Valletta Wallace, Biggie Smalls' mom, had filed a $500 million wrongful death suit against the LAPD. And by this point, Kading had already disproved that. So as far as the LAPD was concerned, the task force has already done what it was set out to do. And Poole, he was a former LAPD officer, right? So that yeah. gave a lot yeah. of credence to the claim. You remember, mm-hmm. he outcopped himself. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. right. That's yeah. right. Yeah, and predictably, the LAPD clearly showed it was never really about solving the murder of Biggie Smalls. All the LAPD cared about was sinking the $500 million lawsuit. Mm. But the LAPD, they didn't just shut the whole task force down. Instead, they replaced Kading with what's called a unit killer. 
They brought in this like by the book guy named Alan Hunter who destroyed Kading's carefully laid traps by ham fisting the whole thing into oblivion. I have sent a letter to Suge telling him what we've been talking about him because it's rude to talk about behind a man's back. And also what I'm thinking is I know we have a lot of people in the field today, but I think what we should do is a nice free reading period. <laughs> so if you have a magazine you wanted to read and maybe you want to present one of the articles, that would be lovely. So they basically did uh, like what the head of the EPA, Pruitt. Yeah. Like they, they Pruitted the situation. Yes. They just yeah. destroyed, they destroyed the entire thing. They destroyed it from thing. the inside yeah. out. Yeah. It's oh, a, I think man. they did it in like season three or four of The Wire. Like it's, it's something that police departments actually do. If they want to kill an investigation uh-huh. uh, for whatever reason, whether it be uh, political or whatever, uh, they'll put some someone in charge of it that they know will fail. A big dookie boy. That's like a big dookie boy who just shows up and his only job is to fuck it up. And they just did that because they had the the $500 million lawsuit? Uh, well, there's. I'll get into okay. why why exactly they did it or what they're thinking on it was. Oh, okay. I will say it was what my father always taught me about getting out of responsibility in the house. My father used to do things like, the thing is, is that whenever your mother asks you to do something, you do it bad. <laughs> yeah. So she just stops asking you to do things. That doesn't lead to a lifelong, uh, a, a life full of frustration, no. rage, and anger. No, no, no way. No, 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 never seething underneath the, no. just underneath the surface. So the LAPD, they got Kading off of the case. They put Hunter in, uh, and they ordered Hunter to give everything they had on the Tupac case to the Las Vegas Police Department. Mm. He was like, yeah, that's not your case, so just give it to the Las Vegas PD, uh, and you focus on Biggie Smalls. And the Las Vegas PD... They didn't do jack shit with it. They did nothing. They're like, oh, that's interesting. And then put it in a drawer. Okay. Uh, And with Teresa Swan, they scared her away by insisting that she wear a wiretap in the same room as Suge Knight because Kading had this like just meticulous plan set up. Like what I said earlier, like that was that was greatly oversimplifying it. He had this very meticulous plan set up to trap Suge Knight. And then Alan Hunter was like, why are we going through all that? Let's just put a wire on her. It'll be fine. Come on, guys. Let's get through it. You know, you guys understand that Golden Girls is on? You understand that Golden (laughs) Girls is only on for three hours a day and you got to check out because they play them in sequence and I don't want to miss any arcs? I mean, my goodness. So they just gave her like a huge poinsettia that had like a massive microphone. (laughs) attached to it it's just a microphone brooch (laughs) exactly oh man well the LAPD's reasoning for taking Kading off the case was that if the case did indeed go to trial then whatever high-priced lawyers that Puffy and Suge would end up hiring would just absolutely eviscerate all of Kading's investigative work not because of how he got it but because of the whole Torres fiasco they're not wrong yeah, they're they're no, actually, they would have, in, yeah. in this they're they're not wrong, but they also never gave him a chance. No, they didn't want to solve the crime because yeah. again, this is the belief of the they viewed everybody as uh, that these were uh, guys taking care of the their problems themselves. So Un- they figured yeah. the gangsters were going to shoot each other anyway. So why would we go and figure it out for for us? Yeah, if they really cared about the case, mm-hmm. I I get like them looking at it and saying like, well, you know, anything that you know this guy comes up with is going to be kind of like tainted at least in the eyes of the uh, in the eyes of uh, uh, public opinion, uh, but they could have put someone on the case who could have actually solved it because mm-hmm. that's what Kading said uh, when uh, they he when he was told that he was off the case, he left and he said like, please promise me one thing, please promise me you're gonna put someone on this case that can actually solve it. They're like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. If yeah. only there was a big human-like talking dog <laughs> that could solve this case. Well, I can do it. Oh, all right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, what the fuck? What the fuck? 
And so the investigation fizzled, and oh, nobody man. did any time for the crimes. Suge Knight kind of sort of got what was coming to him, but that was only because he actually committed another murder when he ran over a guy after trying to force his way into the set of Straight Outta Compton a few years ago. Yeah, right. he definitely did it without, I mean, he, good yeah, lord, he murdered them by rear view cam. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, crazy. And that wasn't the only thing that he did. Like, he uh, he once paid a guy like 500 bucks to punch Dr. Dre in the stomach. Like, he, Well, honestly, <laughs> I mean, that's a dr- I, I would pay you 500 bucks right now to punch Henry in the stomach. <laughs> you can do it? If, if, I get, if he does it. Would you do it? 500 bucks? 500 bucks, I'll give you 500 500 bucks right now. Punch him in the stomach. Henry, do you, would you forgive me? Hmm. For 300 bucks, <laughs> Henry, you will me, you forgive him for 300 bucks? If you let me whip you thrice with my bullwhip. You don't know how to use that thing. I'll get to know how to use it. There's YouTube videos I have queued up. How much money am I paying here? All around? Yeah. 500 to him, $300 to me to forgive, to forgive him. him. <laughs> yes. 800 bucks total. All right, I can do that. <laughs> now, as far as the wrongful death case went, it was dismissed in 2010. And the lawyer, against the LAPD. Against the LAPD, yeah. And the lawyer for Biggie's estate, though, like when they made the press release, they were very hopeful. They said the case had been, quote-unquote, reinvigorated. Uh, and it was reinvigorated until Kading was took off the case. Following that, when the press asked police if they were close to catching Biggie's assailant, they could only respond with two flat words... Probably not. Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> That's, like, That's how it all goes. Yeah. Years of investigation, yeah. someone's going, yeah, I don't know. Probably <laughs> not. Yeah, that's that's the that's the end of the story. It's probably not because wow. the fact is, uh, I think at this point we can say definitely not. Yeah. Everyone involved in the case got away with it. Always will get away with it. Uh, and you know, yeah, I guess you know, Puffy's just gonna keep on co-hosting. Uh, you know, what is it now? Is it Ryan Regis and, and Kelly Lee? With no, Regis and what's I don't Ryan know. and Ryan and Kelly? I don't know. We're not <laughs> good um, at that well, conversation. I tell you, the reason okay. why um, they stopped the investigation in the end doesn't even matter because Tupac is currently alive. Mm. Yes, this is actually what I want to hear. I want to believe this. And he's living in Cuba. Okay. Um, having those matadoros. Ooh. And there's some cool. There's a fun thread that I found that is a bunch of interesting facts. One is a picture. All right, the date. Tupac was quote-unquote killed on September 7th, 1996. The date on the photo is a day after the shooting. September 8th, 1996. How is that possible? Also, they're supposed to be driving, and there's no keys in the ignition. Oh. Uh, I would say that uh, one... You're wrong! (laughs) One, uh, they're probably maybe waiting for the keys from the valet, uh, and two, maybe the date was set wrong on the camera that took the photo. The keys would be in the car with the valet because the valet would need to use the keys in order to get there, but possibly it's after they'd given the keys to the valet. Yeah, they would already given the keys to the valet and were about Still to get wrong, out of the car. Still wrong, completely wrong. Number two, <laughs> yeah, that coroner's report has Tupac's weight listed as 215 pounds. That's a lot Here, of weight circled. for Tupac. Yeah, big There's fat no boy. Way. Big yeah. fat boy, huh? Yeah. Oh, no, but he wasn't. A lot, of, a lot of muscle. Why, you know, but his license says he's 168 pounds. Yeah. Mm. So, Why would the coroner's report that he's 47 pounds heavier than he actually is? Uh, because probably because he started lifting you weights. You don't after know what you're got his saying. You have last. no clue. You're speaking out of your ass. <laughs> I mean, I know, like, you know, in that like six years in between licenses, like, I know I stay the exact same weight like the entire time, and I'm sure both of you do as well. As you should have in order to be in accordance with the law. <laughs> here's a pick. Here's a pick of Tupac's 
autopsy photo. Oh, man. That's the mm-hmm. wounds that in this picture are consistent with makeup used in one of Tupac's music videos, which you hear with a slit throat. This mean could mean that Tupac's autopsy photo was fake. All right. Hmm. All right. The date okay. is wrong. Or right. could also be that, you know, the wounds are just similar to the sorts of wounds that someone has, like, during an autopsy. You have to find out, like, exactly. Point, what. counterpoint. Okay. 2012 interview with Suge uh, Knight. All right, he stated that he paid a man who cremated Tupac $3 million personally. And then he goes on to say that after his cremation, he never heard from that guy again. All right? Because <laughs> no one actually saw Tupac dead. All right? And the only people who have seen him since have fallen off the map. All right? Uh-huh. I mean, they see, uh, like, actually, Shug no, has I, recently I, said in several interviews when people said, Do you think that Tupac's still alive? He went, ha ha. Tupac's capable of anything. And if you don't trust Suge Knight, yeah. can you trust anyone? I got an email two days ago from someone whose uh, like aunt worked at the hospital and uh, yeah, saw 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 Tupac's dead body. But there's several people. <laughs> Who knows? Power, 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 but yeah, but, but his word against mine. All right. <laughs> they also asked another. Uh, they also asked a rap man named I believe Trench Treach Trench. Yeah. No, they treat. asked him, "Is Tupac still alive?" And he said, "Ha ha. Last time I saw him, he was in Cuba." Huh. Definitive, that's a tweet. There's a lot of stuff here. In a 2001 interview with Tupac's former bodyguard, Frank Alexander, he stated throughout the interview that Tupac's life was planned and that his death was pre-planned by God. Twelve years later, Frank was killed by a gunshot wound to the head. Why? He spoke of Tupac's planned death. Hmm. That's not... Well, that actually proves that he's dead. Yeah, and I think Frank Frank Alexander lived a dangerous life. All he knows, he's got seven fucking albums came out. And also, let's cut to a mystical angle here, Okay. His first posthumous <laughs> angle was a, was an album called Don Illuminati Seven Day Theory. Okay. That was a recorded like long before. Listen to me, you piece of shit. <laughs> Point counterpoint. Okay, number seven. Okay, it's very important in Tupac's career. Okay, mm-hmm. all right. So number one, his career lasted seven years from 1989 to 1996. Okay, seven. Gotcha. He was shot on September seventh, 1996. Seven. Mm-hmm. Died. September 13th, 1996, at 4.03 p.m. 4 plus 0 plus 3 equals... <laughs> All right. That one's a little seven bit months, of a stretch. I'm just going to... Shut up, shut up. I'm, shut a, up. I'm stretching. Seven okay. months... Seven. <laughs> to the day uh-huh. of his death, uh-huh. All Eyes on Me was released. Uh-huh. Seven. <laughs> Since his death, seven albums have been released. Seven. Seven's very important to the Bible. <laughs> and all right. Uh-huh. And who came back to life after being supposedly dead? Who? In the Bible? Who did that? Lazarus. One. That was the first one. Yeah. Uh-huh. You know who the other one was? Who? Jesus. Yeah. And the and Don Cl- is- and the Don Caluminati, the cover is Tupac being crucified, but and they also point that as like another kind of um, sign that he's alive, but I think it also has more to do with Tupac's burgeoning ego and persecution complex, especially when you actually listen to the album, because it is nothing but sixty minutes of pure anger. Seven. <laughs> I heard Tupac was in Cuba. Uh, uh, I mean, he it. even like and he like the whole album is just him calling out people. He calls out Haitian Jack. Ooh, on, like man. further, like it's just it's a like it's a very angry album. Like All I remember right. being very like after listening, like w- when it came out, I remember listening and being like, "Yikes, Lou, what's well, going on well, with you, buddy?" You no, know, just like being pretty. Like I think it was, uh, yeah, it was uh, the Ben Westhoff uh, in mm. uh, Original Gangsters where he said like when the album came out, like it was people were looking for healing uh, when it came out, but instead they just got pure anger right. and nobody really knew what to do. And as far as why he has so much posthumous material, uh, he was trying to desperately get out from under Shug 
Suge Knight's wing. That's yeah. right. Like, and was, he had a, a he had a long album deal with them, so he's just, he was just recording as much music as humanly possible. He and they were in, already prepping the move. He yeah. was prepping a move to another label, his own label. So a part of it was having shit to come with him, and then right. get it all get it all sorted out because he was trying to make sure that he would be able to dissociate himself from Suge as quietly and as peacefully as possible. So yeah. he was in his uh, what's that Van Morrison album? Astro Weeks. Oh the, the, no, the, 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 the one where he that's horrible. Like, where he's like, hilarious. fuck chick, pussy, 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 fuck shit. Where, like, <laughs> like, 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 a whole song. And then he talks about something like having the gout, or, but he wanted yeah. to get out of the record label, so he's like, here's an album. And yeah. it's like, anyway, so uh, he's kind of going through that phase. Yeah, and, and that happens a lot. And, and also, like, these hip-hop guys were extreme, extraordinarily prolific. Yeah. Like, they recorded so much, because, you know, remember what uh, Biggie was waking up the next morning and doing, uh, when the night, you know, the night he got killed, he was going to wake up in the morning and go into the recording studio. Right. And he had, his new album wasn't even out yet, and he was still recording stuff and like still tinkering. going in. Wow. Yeah. You know what I think is, uh, what I love about Tupac's work ethic, where there's like a little speech where it talks about how like people used to gather around him, and he used to, they say he used to teach everybody. Yeah. And one of his mm. things was, I think that it's very important to comedy, where he was just like, fuck working on it real hard. He's put it out. Like, essentially, like, you need to generate stuff. Like, kind mm. of what fucking Ira Glass said, which is you gotta get the huh. bullshit out. Like, yeah. you have to get all of it out first, and you can get to the stuff later. Right, right. Yeah. All right. Well, is that basically it? I mean, that that's that's about the long and short of it. Yeah. Wow, that's right. amazing. Well, great job, guys. Awesome research. I really had no idea about the the intricacies of the uh, of the murders. Yeah. I mean, so but the, both of the people who murdered them are dead. Yeah. Um and wow. also, I gotta say uh, thanks to uh, Ben Westhoff for uh, getting a hold of us. Yeah, Bailey, man. You guys, you guys uh, took the directive and went and uh, bought his book, and he got a huge spike in sales. Awesome. So, yeah, he like sold out. He said, yeah, or something? yeah, That's just awesome. yeah. Go. I think there's there's still copies out there. So yeah, go to Amazon. You know, buy this guy's book. Buy Murder wow. Rap. Buy, uh, my buy, <laughs> buy my book. Buy my book. Buy Greg Kading like that. Buy these and also and that goes for every author that we mentioned on last podcast on the left. Like please, because like these guys, they're the real here. Like these Absolutely. are the guys. These are the guys that like we we're a bunch of nerds. Like we read a lot. Yeah. But these are the guys that actually like go out and spend. They spend years on these books. I think Westhoff, Ben Westhoff spent five years writing wow. original gangsters. So like this, these guys like they deserve your support uh, and they uh, they deserve your money. So please please support them. Awesome. Well, and uh, I'm so excited for our next episode. Yeah. Uh, we have a pipeline. So thick, <laughs> so juicy. I'm so excited because this was this next topic is a thing that I've wanted to broach for quite a long time. Yeah, I and mean, we're gonna fill you up with it. Yeah. All, All right. Okay. Well, thank you. Bottom <laughs> of your guts. And then after that, we're turning the blood spigot back yeah, on. That blood oh spigot my. all over your mother's <laughs> panties. Oh <laughs> my god. All right. Okay. Thank you all so much for giving to our patron. We'll see you in Phoenix. We'll see you in Boston, and we will see you in Philadelphia next weekend. A totally reasonable, smart, st- thought out tour. Definitely yeah. well put <laughs> we're not together. Going all over the country. No, 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 no. Definitely <laughs> not like three different intense uh, break in temperature oh, like yeah. different time zones yeah, might have yeah, a problem yeah. with flights but no, <laughs> nah, it's all, no, 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 no. I, we cannot wait to see you all so we'll uh, see you all next week uh, next weekend can't wait thanks you all so much for giving to our Patreon without you none of this is possible uh, let's see anything else social media stuff listen to all of the other shows on check LPN. out all the other shows we've mm-hmm. got a fun side stories this week spoiler alert we're talking about hereditary uh, check out Top Hat page 7 Wizard and the Bruiser a bunch check of out Movie shows. Sign with the Mads Mo- featuring a couple of guys from Mr.
Mr. Science Theater 3000. Follow us on the behavior modifying uh, apps <laughs> that are used to slowly bend us towards the apocalypse at Marcus Parks mm -hmm. at Henry Loves You. Follow us on the sunshiny highlight reel of your life that it, everyone lives a fantasy life at Dr. Fantasty at Marcus Parks at Ben Kissel the number one. Yep. And follow last podcasts on all of it at LP on the left. All right, everyone. So take care of yourselves. That's all we can do. And don't forget to also hail yourselves. Hail Satan. Hail him. Magustalations, everyone. Hail me. What's our other thing? Don't we say one other thing? Did we say you said it. You said it. Oh, you I said, said it. it. Yeah. Oh, hail me. Laugh, love. I just say yeah. No, that's the other show. That's the oh, other show. I won't right. do that here. I can't do that here. It's illegal. <laughs> I'm just no. You can hail me. It doesn't cost you anything. Yeah. No. Your skin refuses to be defined by age. That's why Agency creates personalized anti-aging formulas that smooth fine lines, lighten dark spots, and improve the appearance of dark circles. Each formula is tailored to you and prescribed by a licensed dermatology provider. Formulas are customized with clinically proven ingredients like tretinoin, which is up to 20 times stronger than retinol. Get your first month free at withagency.com. That's W-I-T-H-A-G-E-N-C-Y.com. $4.95 shipping and handling subject to consultation. Subscription required. Cancel anytime. Save big money on protecting your garden. Now at Menards. Messina's Animal Stopper is a liquid repellent that prevents pesky animals from damaging your garden. Available in a convenient, ready-to-use bottle. It lasts for up to 30 days, regardless of weather and watering. Save big money on Messina's Animal Stopper at Menards. And check out our weekly flyer on Menards.com for more great deals happening now. Save big